Thank you. We'll ask the children to make their way to junior church while we turn to Romans chapter 16 this morning. But while you're turning, I had two announcements I wanted in the bulletin, and Evelyn didn't put them in the bulletin. <laughs> you would think she would have looked in the file beside my desk to see if I had any announcements or not. <laughs> But, but she did. So uh, I, I found this morning that I had failed to give it to her. Uh, the first one is our weekly Wednesday night Bible studies will be meeting here at the church this week. We have a special speaker coming. Uh, correct me if I get his name wrong, Reverend You, is it, or Young? You, you, okay. Uh, he's from the uh, Chinese underground church has had a tremendous ministry in China and around the world, and we have the opportunity to have him visit with us. As a matter of fact, I got a call from, uh, or heard of someone in Grangeville, Idaho, that said, are you really having him come? And they're thinking of coming up for it. So uh, you don't want to miss that at 7 o'clock. Uh, so join us on Wednesday night at 7 for that. And then the second announcement, men, last year, if you recall, we fixed the breakfast for Easter Sunday. And the ladies kind of thought that it would be a good idea if we did it again this year. <laughs> and, and so uh, I have a sign-up sheet in the back of what you, uh, if you can sign up what you're willing to bring or what you're, how you're willing to help either cook or serve or, or whatever on that. But we're, we're looking for, for volunteers on, on that. Okay, let's take a look at Romans 16. We'll look at the first 16 verses. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church which is at Centria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many, and of myself as well. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles." Also greet the church that is in their house. Greet Epiphanius, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andricondus and Junius, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Statius, my beloved. Greet Apelles, the approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my kinsman. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphenia and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, also his mother and mine. Greet Asenicritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobitus, Hermas, and the brethren with them. Greet Philogus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympias, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Back in 1946, the U.S. Army unveiled its 30-ton computer. It was called ENIAC. E-N-I-A-C. It stands for the Electronic Numerical Integration and Computer. Have you no ever noticed how the government loves those initials? <laughs> uh, every program has to have some kind of initials to it. Uh, 
when they introduced that computer, two men, one was John Mockley, the other was Presper Eckhart, received all of the credit for the computer. But in actuality, it was six women working behind the scenes that had programmed that computer, and it was working because of the hard work which they had put into it. Before it was the demonstration came, they had programmed the complex machine, and yet they received no recognition at that time. Years later, historians wanted to give them their due credit. They had gone unrecognized for their achievements, and sadly, that happens a lot of times, doesn't it? Many times, even in the church, we fail to recognize the contribution of those that work behind the scenes. Maybe sometimes on the front lines, but their, their work goes unnoticed. We often think of the giants of the faith like Peter and Paul. We have recently gone through the, the celebration of Billy Graham's homecoming. What a tremendous ministry he had. And, and yet, what about the hundreds or thousands that stood behind him in prayer? And, and labored with him in that. I was reminded of that years ago. One of the men who was instrumental in my coming to the Lord had left our home church, home area, and moved up to just outside of Portland, Maine. And he had been working with the Gideons. He was called to present the Gideons in this one church. And they said, hey, why don't you come back and speak next week because we're without a pastor. And this went on for several weeks and finally, they said, why don't you just come and be our pastor? Because we're going to invite you every week. <laughs> and, and, and so he did. It wasn't, didn't feel that he was prepared for that, but this was the way the Lord was leading them. When we visited him several years later, he shared how over somewhere between 900 and 1,000 individuals had accepted the Lord under his ministry. Most of them were senior citizens. And that's a remarkable record there. And we, we said something about it. He said, well, I want to show you why. And he took us to a little old house, run down. Uh, uh, here was a, a little lady, Aunt B was her name. She was in a wheelchair. And she was caring for two boys that had some disease from birth. They, they weren't able to care for themselves. They, they could just barely feed themselves. They couldn't walk or anything. And, and she actually was their grandmother. She took care of them while the mother was working to to support them. And uh, he said, this is the reason why I have been successful in this ministry. He said, every time I have, go into the pulpit and the service, these three individuals get together and pray the whole time. He said, when I go to visit somebody that I'm going to share Christ with, I pick up the phone and call them and they pray during that time. These are the ones who have impacted this community with the gospel message. Now, very few people knew that. Very few people were aware of what they were doing, but God knew, and that's the important thing. Paul, in chapter 16, introduces us to what I've called God's Hall of Fame, fame here. He gives us a list of men and women that, that had impacted his life, that had impacted his ministry. And have you ever noticed in your quiet times, how easy it is to skip a passage like this. I mean, we can't even hardly pronounce the names. We, we know nothing about them, so what do we do? Well, we jump down to verse 17 and start over again. <laughs> and yet, God has put their names in here for, I believe, a reason. 
when you stop and think that this Bible, this book that we have, is God's communication to us, I think every section is critical and important. When you think of the tremendous wisdom that he has and what he could have revealed and so forth, and this, this is what he chose to reveal to us, and he took the time to record the names of these individuals, and I don't believe God wasted words, so we're going to look at some of them here. And as we look at them, I want you to keep in your back of your mind 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, where he says, It is required of a man, or a steward there, that a man be found faithful. And here he's giving us a list of faithful individuals, men and women, who have faithfully served the Lord in various capacities. So let's look at who's included here and see what we can learn from them. The first one is Phoebe. Uh, she's from Centuria. We know that much. Her name means pure or bright or radiant. And in a very real sense, I think he's saying here is a chosen gem that's reflecting the glory of the Lord to those around about her. We really know nothing else about her life or ministry beyond that, except for the, the, what he gives us here in, in the, in this opening two verses here. She is first of all described as a sister, a sister in the Lord now, which means she was part of and a valuable part of the family of God. She belonged to Jesus Christ. She was a, a sister in the Lord. She had accepted Christ as Savior. Now, we know nothing about when that happened, when that took place in her life. And I guess we don't need to know that because the Spirit of God didn't reveal it to us here. But Paul commends her for being a sister. He also commends her for being a servant of the church there. The, the word that he uses for servant is the feminine form of the word that we use today for a deacon. So in a sense, he's saying she is a deaconess. And, and uh, some churches actually have that as an uh, official office in their church. We, we don't use that title. Uh, we do have uh, the, the women's ministry, though. And they serve in that capacity in, in, in our church there. But they were... Here was a woman who lived out her faith by serving others, often behind the scenes, probably often unnoticed, unrewarded. And yet I think of Jesus as I, I think of Phoebe in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. He said he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, not to be served, but, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And here was a woman that had captured that idea and she was serving. She was giving of her life in behalf of the church. And then he commends her for being a saint. A saint is very simply an individual that has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It's not somebody that has done some special work or miracle. It's not somebody that we need to pray to. Uh, matter of fact, First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. He's the one who gave himself for us there. That's not up, up there on your notes. It wasn't in your notes. Uh, that's First Timothy 2, verse 5 there. A saint is very simply someone who, who has come and accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And so when you read the book of First Corinthians... Paul's writing there to the saints, a group of men and women that were not perfect, a group of men and women that had a lot of problems. If you, if you read the, the, the two epistles to Corinth, you'll find they, they had a lot of areas that needed changing in their lives. But Paul said they're saints because they belong to Jesus Christ. So when you look around the room today, what you're really looking at is a group of saints, 
<laughs> yeah, uh, you, you may not think of yourself as a saint, but but God does, and we need to keep that in the back of our mind. And then the fourth one, she was a sucker. I use that term carefully. I realize that my version puts it a helper there, but this is this word comes from the King James Version. And why did I choose that word? I mean, helper would have been so much easier. We we understand that. The problem is it does it starts with an H, and the other three started with S. And so uh, we're going to take a break from Romans for two weeks with Palm Sunday and Easter, and then we're going to finish it up the second week of April there. And if I choose to give you a final exam after that, it's going to be much easier for you to remember these four points if they all start with the same letter. <laughs> so, uh, but literally, she he says she was a helper. The problem, though, is he doesn't tell us how was she a helper? Who did she help? Uh, no, no details given to us at this point. I did the church in Rome. No, I have no idea. But Paul did, and he commends her for being willing to step in and help, to be a helper in the church of Jesus Christ. So this is the first one that he mentions here. Like I said, we know nothing else about her. She's not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture, but God knows. And and we can rejoice in in that fact today. The second, I'm putting two together for the second one here, Priscilla and Aquila, husband and wife team. Now, we know a little bit more about these two individuals than we did about Phoebe. If you look at Acts chapter 18, we first get their story, uh, starting with verse 1. After these things, he left Athens. This is the Apostle Paul. He went to Corinth, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to that. So we we know that... They had originally been in Rome. They, they were Jewish origin. They had been in Rome. If you remember your history, uh, Claudius was looking for somebody to blame the problems on. And so he blamed the Jews. He exiled all of the Jews from Rome for a period of time. And so they went to Corinth and settled there. Paul came along to Corinth and, and found them there. They were tent makers so was the Apostle Paul by trade. And so they, they, they got together and they made tents together while Paul ministered there in Corinth. Uh, years later, under Emperor Nero now, uh, they were able to return to their business in, in, in Rome. So they're, they're back in Rome as Paul sends this, this letter to them. And uh, again, probably making tents there as well. A uh, couple things revealed about them. First of all, they were a caring people. They cared about others. I take that from Acts chapter 18, uh, beginning in verse 24. We pick up their story again there. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. He began to speak out boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to his disciples to welcome him there. So here was a man had come to know about Jesus Christ under the ministry of John the Baptist. For some reason had probably had to leave that area, knew that the Messiah was coming 
but had not been there to witness his death or burial or resurrection. And so he was teaching the same message that John the Baptist had taught. Now, it would have been easy for them to criticize Apollos and say, wait a minute, you got it all wrong. But no, they quietly came, took him aside and explained what had happened in Jerusalem, what had happened with Christ. And Apollos, as he accepted that, teaching then became a tremendous orator, a tremendous teacher of the faith. They cared enough to to bring him to a place of usability for the service of Jesus Christ. The second thing we see about these two individuals is they were courageous people. Notice verse 4. He says, who for my sake risked their own necks, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. They risked their life for the Apostle Paul. Now, again, we have those questions. How did they risk their life? When did this happen? What what was the circumstances? Wouldn't you like to know more? Well, we got all of heaven to find out the details. We, we, we can sit down with Priscilla and Aquila and we, we can talk to them and find out what what they did and how, how they ministered to, to Paul in that way. But you know, as I think about them, I, I'm challenged by that. Who would you risk your life for today? In uh, John chapter 15, verse 13, again, this is not up on the screen. John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, than what? A man laid down his life for his friends. Now, again, I've said many times, Jesus never asked us to do anything that he was unwilling to do. He was just about to go to the cross when he gave us those words. He was going to lay down his life, not just for his friends, not just for the disciples, but for you and I. He was going to go to the cross for us. He was going to die for us. Who would we die for today? Who would we risk our life for? Brother or sister in Christ? Family member? Or would we run the other way when danger came? Here was a man, how, how he got involved in Paul's life and how he risked it for Paul, I don't know. But he did. And Paul commends him for being a courageous individual. He was also a church people here. They were church people. They were committed to ministry. Notice he, he ends it there by saying, greet the church that is in their house. Now, obviously, they were committed to the ministry of the church especially if the church was meeting in their house. You know, if the church is meeting in your house, it's kind of hard to skip church. <laughs> it, it, uh, or, be you, or be late, yeah. <laughs> you may not be ready, but you're going to be there. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, we, we are blessed with a beautiful building, and we're going to have a little bit larger building. We're having some seating problems here this morning, getting everybody squeezed in. But we're looking forward to, in the near future, going through those doors and having a adequate space to, to worship in. But you know, one of the problems with having a church building is it's easy for us to make excuses. Now, if it's meeting in our house, we can't get up Sunday morning and say, I don't feel like going to church today. You're, you're already at church. You're, you're going to be there. But uh, I wonder, do we put as much priority on worship as these two individuals did? Are, are we committed to the uh, the ministry of, of Jesus Christ through his church? Uh, I've often thought, 
Uh, I've heard so many excuses over the years why people can't be here. Uh, we, we've we debated about writing a book of excuses. I am writing a book. <laughs> okay, be careful. My wife is keeping a, a, a record of, of that now. But uh, are, are we... Would we get into God's Hall of Fame because we are faithful to his ministry, to his church, to his service? Or do we find that we only do it when it's convenient? Are, are we committed to, to the church of Jesus Christ? Well, that's followed by a long list of names. Many of them we know absolutely nothing about. Peneus is the next one on the list. He was described as the first convert in Asia. And I'm assuming that he means by that Asia Minor now, uh, because uh, Israel would have been part of uh, Asia, but Asia Minor would be the area of Turkey and that that region. How did he come to Christ? Who led him to the Lord? When when did this happen? Paul doesn't reveal any of that. He just said he's the first convert in that region for Jesus Christ. Then there is Mary. About all we know about Mary is that she worked hard for the church in Rome. Now, there's a lot of Marys in Scripture. Ever wonder which Mary this was? Was it one of those from the gospel, or was it a totally different Mary? We don't have any idea. All we know is she was a hard worker. Now, let me ask you a question as you think about that. Do you know any Marys? you know any of those that, that work hard? Maybe unrewarded, but... They're there, willing to do the work, the hard work when it needs to be done. And, and then I, I guess when I ask that question, that, that's a trick question. Because now just about every one of you has thought of somebody that's a Mary. Have you ever thanked them for their hard work? Or do you just assume they're going to do it? Do you take the time to express your appreciation to what they have been doing and how they have been helping. Uh, again, like I said, many of these individuals hardly known, nothing known about them, little noticed, but they pay, played a valuable part in the work of Jesus Christ. And do we appreciate that fact of those that are serving behind the scenes? Do we let them know that we really care that they are there and for what they are doing? Next two are, I think, a husband and wife team, Andriakis and Junius. Again, also we know about them is they were a kinsman. Uh, were they, I'm assuming from that, that possibly a relative of the Apostle Paul, although I can't conclusively prove that. They were fellow prisoners. When were they in prison with Paul? In Rome? In Ephesus? In Jerusalem? Again, we have no idea the, the details there, but they were veterans of the faith. And then comes a, a list of four or five names, men and women, known to the Roman church, but not to us. And on and on goes the list. And I'm not going to take time to, to look at each individual because there's not enough information given to us about them to, to really summarize their life or, or what they were doing. But I, as I was studying this passage, I thought back over the 50 years now that I've been in ministry. What is it that stands out after 50 years? It's not the buildings that we served in. It's not the different programs that we had so much. It's not the order of service. 
it's the people that we were able to minister to and the people that were able to minister to us. That's what makes the ministry. That That's what is, is important about the ministry. We have the opportunity through our service to touch the lives of other people. And they have the opportunity, if we allow them, to touch our lives as well. The church, you see, is a body of individuals. Each one unique in his own way. Each one has their own particular gifts. Each one, I believe, has an important part to play in the body of Jesus Christ. And so as we we think our way through this list, several lessons come out of it. First of all, and I don't know if these are up there or not. The first three are up there. The last one or two aren't up there. But uh, uh, my message changes from the time I, I get a copy of it to Ginger till Sunday morning comes. So uh, some of that's a reflection of what I thought of, what I should have thought of in the first place, but didn't think of. You, you'll just have to listen for that. But the first question, as I think of this list, is do you appreciate those who serve? It's easy to find fault. It's easy to criticize. But do we really value one another for their ministry, for what they invest in our lives? We are comfortable sitting here this morning. Do we value those that have made that possible? Uh, those that see that the, the church is ready? Those that see that the church is clean? Uh, you ever sit through a service and wrestle with a couple of small children? And uh, you walk away wondering, why did I even go to church? Do we value our children's ministries? Those that are working to, to make it possible for us to enjoy the, the, the service and, and to get out of it what God has for us? Do we appreciate those that, that keep up the, the building and the yard and so forth? Do we appreciate those that have put so many long hours into the, the building program? I, I think... We are the ones that need, like Paul, to recognize those that are serving amongst us. And we are the ones that need to commend them for that service and thank them for it. Are we willing to share our appreciation for those who are serving? And then the second question, do you see yourself as an important part of God's work through his local church? Or do you come merely to warm a chair? I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> what are you contributing to the ministry of God's church through the, this local church? Because I read in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, and this isn't in your notes either, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, speaks of the fact that we have all, every single one of us, if we are a child of God, we have all received a spiritual gift. And the emphasis there and the reason for spiritual gifts as it's given in Scripture, is for us to minister to the body of Jesus Christ. It's not for our own benefit. It's not to make us feel good. It is so that we can minister in some way to the body of Jesus Christ. And so, obviously, if that's the case, then I'm going to assume that every single one of us here that has accepted Christ as Savior have been given a spiritual gift. The obvious question we have to ask is, how many of us are using the gifts that God has given to us? Or, 
as someone said, are we in danger if, if we don't use it? We lose it idea. God has, I believe, placed adequate workers within the body of Tewila Evangelical Free Church. We're looking at uh, a VBS program coming up. Now, I, I, I almost chuckled. I don't know, was it last January when uh, the congregation voted the way we want to expand our VBS program to 100 kids? Okay, that's great. How many gifted individuals are going to step forward and sign up that on that sheet in the back? Because it's not going to happen if we don't have the workers. We, we, we're going to reach a point here where if we don't have enough workers, we're going to say it's not going to be 100. It may only be 65 as it was last year. Are, are, are we serious about ministry? Are, are we looking at ourselves and saying, Lord, what gift has you, have you given me and how can I use it to serve the body of Christ? Or do we sit back and say, what gift has you given to that person sitting next to me? How can they use it? No, it, it, let's bring it down to ourselves. God has gifted us. Are we willing to use that? Now, I realize we're not all gifted as teachers. Uh, if you're not gifted as a teacher, I have a feeling that Diana can find a job for you in VBS. <laughs> May not be teaching, but it, it, there will be a job that she can find that you can use. What, what you need to do is be available. Same is true in so many of areas of, of our work and ministry. God has gifted us. Uh, not, not all the same. Uh, like I shared a while back, uh, I had a friend in Grangeville. Didn't know what his spiritual gift was. Struggled with that for a while. And, and one day I said to Al, Al, I think your spiritual gift is the gift of mechanics. He said, that's not in scripture. No, it's not. And they didn't have cars back then. They were blessed probably back then. They didn't have to worry about those mechanical breakdowns and so forth. There, there's nothing that frustrates me more than a car breaking down or, or, or the snowblower, the lawnmower, whatever it is, because I don't understand it. I don't know how to fix it. And, uh, and yet Al did. And every, every time something went wrong with our car, he seemed to notice that I was kind of discouraged about it. He'd say, what's wrong now? And he'd come over, and in a few minutes, he'd diagnose the problem. We'd go get the part. He'd fix it. And, and I said, Al, that's your gift. And, and he was using it to the, to the glory of Jesus Christ. You've been gifted, not in the same way as everybody else, but you've been gifted. Are you using that gift to the glory of Jesus Christ in this body? It's been given not just for your enjoyment. It's been given to serve the body of Jesus Christ. And then I guess the third question that comes out of this is, do you rate individuals by their gifts? Do we get to feeling my gift is the most important one? Mine is more important than somebody else's. God doesn't say that. God, in his infinite wisdom, gives to each one a gift to be used to the glory of Jesus Christ. And yet sometimes we we fall into the trap of comparing ourselves uh, First, Second Corinthians ten twelve says, comparing yourself among yourselves, you are not wise. Don't look at somebody else and say, well, because they have a different gift, I can't serve that way, I can't serve. No, that's not the issue. It's how has God gifted you and are you using it for the glory of Jesus Christ? Remember, in First Corinthians chapter 4, he said, it's a required of a man that he what? Be great? No, that's not what he says. 
He says it's required that he be found faithful. Whatever God entrusts to us, that's the gift that we need to be faithful in using to the glory of Jesus Christ. And you know, you never know who God is going to use. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says in verse 26, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many noble, not many mighty, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, God has chosen the things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are, that no man should boast before God. God has gifted us for a reason. And we need to use that gift for the glory of Jesus Christ. And don't despise somebody else that may have a different gift than what you have. When I think about that, I, I think of my own journey to coming, finding the Lord. I, I grew up, never went to church until I was invited to go about the age of eight to a Bible club. And, and as I thought about that, I, I, I focused over the years on different ones that have played a part in bringing me to Christ. But the one that I don't think I've ever mentioned before was a boy named Charlie. Charlie was a year older than I was. He was in the same grade as I was. He he struggled intellectually. He had some some mental problems going on in his life. Uh, And yet, Charlie was the one that asked me, would you like to come to my house for a Bible study? And I don't know whatever happened to Charlie. I I think he was able to finish high school, but I, I wouldn't conclusively say that. I don't know where he is today. But I thank God that he was willing to say, hey, why don't you come to my house for a Bible club? Now, uh, that I said yes for several reasons. I, I, I said yes because we were friends and, and we did a lot of things together. But I also said yes because I had an old, uh, at that point in time, an old Quaker lady for a teacher. We're, this is a one-room schoolhouse. You're locked in with the, these teachers for the... The school year, and every Sunday or every Monday morning, she would ask for a show of hands. Who went to Sunday school the day before? I didn't even know what Sunday school was. I, I had no idea what went on in church, but I knew it had something to do with the Bible. So I figured, you know, if I go to Bible club, I'll get her off my back anyhow for a while because <laughs> she made you feel terrible if, if you didn't go to church on Sunday. What you you had to be a heathen, and so you know. I don't know what Charlie was able to do with his life, but God was able to use him because he was willing to say, would you like to come with me to a Bible study? And I think God will bless him for his service in in eternity there. It's good for us to remember 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. He speaks of we are God's building. We are God's fellow workers. We work together in building the church of Jesus Christ. So the fourth one uh, I ask, question I ask is, do you get upset if your contribution isn't noticed? This is number four in your notes. It's not up on the screen because I didn't think of it until this week. But do you get upset if somebody doesn't notice it, your contribution? Or what if somebody else gets the credit for something you feel you should get the credit for. Does that make you upset? Uh, Again, 
someone wisely said, and I don't know the source of this quote, but they wisely said, it's amazing what God is able to do in his church when we don't care who gets the credit. Think about that for a minute. It's amazing what God is able to do when we don't care who gets the credit. You know, when it comes to building the church of Jesus Christ, it's not about me and it's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. He said in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church. Now, he's invited us to be a part of that. But he is the master builder. And he is the one ultimately that should get the credit. As I think of the actual physical building that we're we're building here, a lot of you have had invested a lot of hours into it. You'll probably never get recognized, some of you, for that. Uh, a few will because of of the extent that they've they've been involved in that, but you know what? Uh, I, I was talking. Was it this week to our district superintendent? And yeah, I think it was this week. And uh, he said, "It's amazing what God is doing there." And he said, "We want to be invited when you dedicate that building. We we want to come." And, and uh, now he's got some sweat equity into that building. He's the one that did the roof for us. But uh, he, he, he wants to be here as part of the celebration, celebrating the fact a multitude of individuals played a part in bringing it to pass, some more than others. But they all have contributed. So many have contributed to it. And it doesn't matter who gets the credit. It just matters, is God glorified through it? Is it a place where he is going to be glorified? Again, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, I think, as I think about that, if, if, if you're upset because you've labored and you haven't seen the results that you thought you should see or haven't been patted on the back for what you did, I want you to remember Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. I think that one may be up there. Nope. Okay. Missed it again. Uh, it said, God is not unkind or unjust to forget your work and labor of love. What is he saying in that? I think he's saying, as you serve, even as many of these individuals served, you may never get the credit for it in this lifetime. You may never see the end result of your works. It's great when that's revealed to us, when we see that we've accomplished something. You know, if you get the privilege of sharing Christ with somebody and they come to the Lord, doesn't that just fill your heart? That's what we're here for. But I wonder how many people have you shared the Lord with and you wondered, walked away thinking, they didn't, answer, they didn't respond. They, 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 there was no response. Did I fail? Did I, did I not do a good job? And, and we, you know what? We may be surprised in glory because we may have played a part in bringing that person to Jesus Christ. It may not be that we had the privilege of actually praying with them and introducing them to the Savior. But maybe we planted a seed. Somebody else will come along and build on that and, and be able to bring them to a saving knowledge of, of Jesus Christ. And when we get to that glory, it isn't going to matter who was the actual one that, that did the harvest. God's going to reward the ones that planted the seed, that watered the seed, that, that played a part in it all through that process. He's not unkind. He's not unjust. He knows our ministry. And he will reward, but unfortunately, sometimes the reward awaits eternity. It's great when we 
we see a measure of that in this life. But we're in for some surprises, I think, when we get to glory. And we can rejoice in that. So keep serving. You may be noticed. You may not. Just remember, you are noticed by the Lord of the harvest. You're noticed by the King of kings and Lord of lords. And someday he will reward you for that service. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in a very small way, Paul was able to share with us those that touched his life, those that ministered to him, some in small ways, some in big ways, those who played an important part, though, in his ministry. And Father, as we think of your work today, Jesus said, I will build my church. And then he turned around and invited us to be part of it. We don't understand why he would do that. We have so little to offer apart from the gifts that he has given to us. And yet he's invited us to be fellow workers with himself. Lord, open our eyes today to ways in which we can take the gifts you've entrusted to us and ways in which we can use them for the glory of Jesus Christ, we pray in his name. Amen. We're going to sing God of grace, God of glory.